0: Praise the Lord. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here. A bunch of world changers. You know, it's important that we understand who we're preaching to today from the pulpit here. God loves everyone, and He's pleased and proud of everyone as we grow in God and mature in God. I can think back to my early days how I was zealous for God, and then there were seasons where I was passionate for God. And I was hungry for God. And God was pleased with all those seasons of my life. But every season continued to take me down a path where God became all that I wanted. And as we mature in God, you should find the closer you get to him, the more demanding he is of your life. The more he wants to take over your life. And, you know, the scripture says he's is all-consuming fire. <laughs> That's what it means, all-consuming, that he will consume your whole life. Can you imagine a fire so intense, a furnace so intense, that everything that goes into it is consumed, even the ashes are consumed, an all-consuming fire. And the Lord hasn't changed from the Old Testament where everyone was afraid of him, <laughs> To the New Testament, to where now we don't have to be afraid of that all consuming fire because we are born again. So praise God for our salvation. And now you don't have to be afraid of that all consuming fire, but He still is an all consuming fire. That means that even though you're afraid of Him before being consumed and rejected, uh, now you can be joyful that he's going to consume it all. <laughs> and you don't have to be afraid of what comes out, what the end result is. And so as we mature in God, then, you know, on that path of maturity, we can stop anywhere we want to. We have that right. And Pastor Dave says many people stop when they have just enough of God, enough anointing to, to be happy and one foot in the world, and maybe not worldliness like smoking and drinking, but the world is your source, the world is your power, and the world's principles of success work for the world. You know, I mentioned the other day about the difference between respecting a person, a man who's a good father, who has a good family. I think John asked me a question, who do I respect? And so, I, you know, it made me think, well, who do, why do I respect this guy? And then not this guy, you know, and there's people in the world who have successful businesses, Christians, successful businesses, successful families. And if you go for them for advice, they'll give you advice. But if they built that success on worldly principles, it leaves out the part where you have to follow God. So I can sit down with my wife and say, hey, we love God, right? Yeah. Okay, let's follow him. So then. Every decision we make going forward in our life is about God's will first. Cuz in God's will, we have to understand, it encompasses every prayer you're going to pray, every need you're going to face. It's already in God's answer, in God's direction. He doesn't put you out there and say, "Now survive on your own." <laughs> That's what a worldly worldly father does. Is you're on your own, go for it. Life is yours. But when you become born again, we're supposed to go down a path where our life no longer belongs to us, it belongs to God. That should be the path we're on, and if you pray in the Holy Ghost, he's relentless, and he's always the same, always asking for more. He's all-consuming, and he wants to take over your life and your world. And that means that a man in the world can have a good family, but it mainly might be because... He's a good man, but he also might be because the devil's not trying to fight him. And when you're on the path of following God, the devil's always trying to stop you from following God. He's not worried so much about you as much as what God can do through you if you don't stop following God. So his attack is constantly from all angles, from a thousand angles a day to get you to stop trusting the path of God, to stop following God, because the worst thing he could do is have you go into that all consuming fire and God able to work through you without restraint that's what he's afraid of that he's afraid of every believer no matter what you're calling when we get to heaven there's no apostles or prophets or pastors or teachers it's only Jesus you know and you won't be walking to the throne room to go worship God and some prophet calls into the back alley Psst, I got a word for you like, well, I got Jesus here. He's enough. Thank you. <laughs> Don't need you right now. You know, I've got Jesus. He's better than the prophet. So, you know, there's no respecters of persons, there's no honoring among callings. There's an avenue for you to walk with all of God. I was asking God one day. I listened to one of Pastor Day's messages. And at the end of it, I thought, man, that was so good. <laughs> that was so rich. And I asked God, I said, how, how, did he, how does he do that? I mean, how does he flow so easily? And that was such a complete message. Like, I, I compare it to mine, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I, I shoot all over the place. And, and uh, I, it, the Holy Ghost usually ties it up, but not like Pastor Dave's message. And the Lord, I heard the Lord laugh, and I said, God, how does he do that? And he laughed, and, and he said, uh, You think he's speaking? I said, no, he's, the Lord said, no, he's just humble enough to let me speak through him. So what was impressing me about Pastor Dave wasn't Pastor Dave's wisdom, but it was the Holy Ghost speaking through him. And see, this is a path that requires you meet the all-consuming fire, that it dissolves and burns up your natural ability to fix things. And when the day we give up on pursuing the high call of God, which is mortification, letting go of our flesh, letting go of our natural ability and trusting God. The day we, we run into that all-consuming fire and it burns up our ability to fix things. Have you noticed that as you prayed in the Holy Ghost? He begins to tie your hands or un- untie your spiritual hands in the sense that your ability to fix it, to go find my way to fixing it, He ignores because he has a way already for your answer to come. And it may not make sense at the time, but he's always right. How many can believe that God's always right? (laughs) And so when we stop believing for the impossible, that the impossible is possible for you, the day we stop following God to the point that we are allowing him to work through us, that we want the world to meet him through us, Not so much to meet us, but to meet Him. There's a humility in that where you kind of disappear in the picture. It's almost like I look at it like I'm holding right now, today, this beautiful gem. I mean, it's shiny, it's gorgeous, and I'm holding it. And this gem is what I would call God's plan for this service right now. It's gorgeous, it's beautiful, it's powerful, But I'm going to take this gem and I'm going to hide it behind my back. And I'm going to charge you while I'm holding the gem with one hand. I'm going to put out my other hand and say, if you want to see this gem, I want you to acknowledge me first. I want you to give me a little credit for carrying this gem, for bringing this gem forward. In fact, if you want to put a $100 bill on that hand or a big check, then I'll let you have a touch of the gem. And it's amazing how we merchandise. And, and when I say merchandise, some people, what they're selling, they're asking for, isn't money. Sometimes it's just, I want you to honor me. I want you to respect me. I want to give you to give me some credit for being somebody. Because your natural man begins to starve for attention when you meet the all-consuming fire. Because God ignores your outward man, and he has his own desire with your spiritual man and that's why when you pray in the holy ghost your outer man's left unfruitful he's left out of the question out of the conversation and so your inner man gets built up and grows in the knowledge of god and your inner man agreed to things and your outer man's left wondering what's going on what did we just learn we spent an hour praying in tongues what do we learn oh, i don't know i didn't learn anything it's a waste of time but your inner man's filled with the knowledge of god from that hour When John asked me that question, like, who do you respect as a father? You know, I can respect this guy, because he does... Some guys are just amazing with families, and then I, I can respect... But, you know, the secret is just get a good wife, and you'll have a good family. That's the true secret. Then I could look at an entrepreneur who's super wealthy and build great businesses, but these guys aren't even saved, and they've done their success through their natural ability... And understand the devil doesn't come and fight you if you're not following God. And so I need to find a man who's following God at all costs and then look at him who has a good family. Because he had to bring his family through war to follow God and still have a good family. I had to look at an entrepreneur who birthed his entrepreneurship through the Spirit of God, not through natural ability. Not that we don't use natural wisdom. You know, if you're called to be a nurse, you can't show up at the hospital and say, um, hey, can I get my badge and assign me to a bed, please? Who are you? I'm a nurse. Well, great. Can I see your credentials? Oh, well, I got Holy Ghost credentials. Yeah, the Lord has taught me how to be a nurse. And they'll take you to another ward <laughs> and say, yeah, let me introduce you to uh, uh, this doctor here. He say, padlock the doors behind you. There is a nat- Yes, there is natural things you have to learn. And, you know, we don't want to get so spiritual we forget about that, you know. And you can learn some natural tactics from other people. Absolutely. But when you walk with God and he's all-consuming, that means that you are trusting in him for your answers. So if I'm going to get wisdom for entrepreneurship, it's got to be from a man or a woman who has followed God, and the fruit of it was God bringing finances through them. That I can learn from if I'm an entrepreneur. If I want to learn from a preacher who's successful, I need to find a preacher who's willing to follow God and love people the way God loves people and not use people. You can go right now sign up for all kinds of church-building places, how to build your church, I remember uh, one time traveling with Brother Norville. He told a joke at one church. He made it up, and it was funny. And everyone laughed and laughed. And then the next church we went to, he told the same joke because they, didn't, they weren't in the first one. See, when you travel like that, itinerate travel, you can just take one suit, two suits, because the next Sunday they haven't seen you in the first suit. You know, so he just set put the suit up. Well, some people, some preachers do the same message the way they do the same suit and the same jokes. And they just do the same thing around the country. And so Norval told a joke and everyone laughed. And the next church, he told the same joke. Everyone laughed. And the next church, the same joke. Everyone laughed. And for 15 straight churches, he told the same joke because he came up with it. It was funny. And everyone laughed the same way. Well, people are people. That's the way they are. You know, and if you teach a message that is tantalizing to the ears of people to their flesh it 's a, a mixture of of God with flesh, a way of serving God with the flesh uh, without dying without mortification. You might get a good response to this crowd, so you go to another church. Just say the same thing, another town. The one message that is excitable to a group of people in Oklahoma will reach a group of people in in New York. And it can spread across the whole country, but it may not be God. Just because it brings excitement in people doesn't mean it's God. And so you can gather a lot of people by teaching stuff that will bring people in, but it's not helping them, it's just helping you. I'm reminded in 1 Corinthians 15 when I was reading this years ago. I'll start in verse 9. This is Apostle Paul. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And when I read this verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. And when I read that, the Lord sparked in me that there's a whole universe of understanding just in this one verse, that by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace of God is more than just his love for me. This grace of God is its a whole universe. I, I think if I can probably just stay on this whole verse and study it forever, and still never get to the end of it. That His grace is my strength, my power, my walk, my answered prayers. That by His grace is how I am to grow and accomplish anything. And as a preacher, the things that I run into on a regular basis is what good am I? You know, I, I'm no longer see my position as a preacher as a leader to tell you or lead you into God as much as the best I can do is set an example and say, you can follow me as I follow Christ, but to remove myself from the position of being somebody that is recognized or somebody that is valuable to people. When God's begun years ago to start to remove that me from being able to take value personally in my likability amongst people... (laughs) the Lord had to make me go to a place of swallowing my pride and confronting the pride in me that wanted to be valuable. In other words, as the more I follow God, the less, the less my flesh, my outward man feels valued. You know, like, hey God, what good am I? Well, just step into the furnace, I'll show you. Come on, you're good to be placed on the altar. That's what good your outward man is. That's what good all the wisdom of your outward man is. That's what good all the desires and dreams. And you hear people, well, God wants to make your dreams come true, to live the best life now. Well, they're talking to your flesh. Hey, flesh, what's your dreams? Well, I dream to be this, I dream to be that. Well, that's what God's for, to help you with your dreams. Well, to be clear, he's here to help you with the dreams that maybe he gave you. (laughs) But again, there's such a striving in this world to feel important to other people, to feel important to God, to feel valuable. When you hit this walk of the Holy Spirit, I didn't notice it back when I started, and that's why he's sneaky. But I've noticed it now, I look backwards and think, wow, this has been a life of letting go of my, not my, even my weaknesses, but my strengths to... And letting go of my need to feel valuable in front of people. In other words, I may have a gem that, I, that God's working through me with my calling or, or whatever, God's able to do something, but I hide it behind my back and I, I force you to recognize my outward man. I force you to recognize Alan and to say, Alan, you're, you did good, good job. Oh, thank you, thank you. Here, let me show you what God gave me. And maybe it's a word, maybe it's anointing, maybe it's a, a gifting, I don't know. But whatever it is, much of the church world can be summed up in this analogy that they're holding God behind their back and want to first be recognized some way. Some preachers, you want to they, they wear a robe and a, they, they, they want to be a spiritual guru. And when you, they walk in the room, they want you to give them an honor, which is supposed to go to God, not to them. And they make you call them certain titles because it's important to them. Whereas really, all we want is God. Can you please get out of the way? And for some preachers, it's an offering. Do you imagine how insane it sounds to God? Here I've done, sent my only begotten son to die, be crucified, whipped, tortured, go to hell, resurrect him so you can have healing. And there's some man represented me saying, if you need a healing from God, I want you to take that need and wrap it up in a, a big check and send it to God so you can show you have faith. Do you know how insane that sounds to God? But yet we do it all the time. Not us, but it's part of the gospel now. It's so much part of the gospel, it's hard to get it out of your head that you have to plant a seed of faith for God to do something. And that he needs that extra little bit. And it's funny how it's money. <laughs> it, comes, it comes back to money so often. So when Paul here says in verse 15, or verse 10, sorry, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and by his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God. See, when he says that statement, I labored more abundantly than they all, but not I, But the grace of God. See, what he's saying is, I got hold of God, and I found his grace. Let me tell this in my definition. I got hold of God, fell in love with him, found him, found his grace. And then the next thing I know, I was riding a wild bronco. And I was on a ride with this grace. This grace was taking me into situations, taking me into problems, taking me into places and doing things that I was not capable of doing, but God through me was doing it. And it required of me that I go along with it. And it required that I labor more abundantly than all the other apostles. This is Paul's explanation that I've been on this wild ride since I got hold of the Holy Ghost. And it's taken me places I did not want to go, to do things I didn't think I could do, and demanded things of me that I labored more abundantly than they all But it was the grace of God in me. So this grace that he's talking about is so much more than a feeling of God's affirmation. Think about much of the gospel to the world right now. It's trying to bring affirmation that he loves them. And that is really an important message for the world to understand, that he loves them and he's there for them and he's there to rescue all of them. But I'm not talking to the world right now. This is not an evangelistic message. This is to you who pray in the Holy Ghost to remind you that you are fellowshipping when you pray in tongues, when you worship God, when you read the Word, you're playing with fire, literally. You're playing with an all-consuming fire that will consume every part of your life. And it's when you're trying to protect part of your life from Him. Those little doors that we kept closed, the things we don't want God to mess with. These are things that we feel safe with, that make us feel important, make us feel valuable. We keep those doors closed, but you're playing with fire when you pray in the Holy Ghost. And your flesh knows it. You're playing with fire when you worship God. You're actually walking into a furnace, and it wants to consume everything about you. And what God's real heart is for us as ministers, Now I'm talking to us who pray in tongues, because there's a higher standard of expectation on you. And that means that if we look around for who we can compare, who can I follow into God? Who can I follow into God that will take me to the place where everyone who comes for a healing is healed? And I know, when, like, for instance, when I suffered the stroke, I had a number of people, good people who loved me, offer to fly me to different preachers to receive a miracle. Because this guy walks in a miracle, this guy walks in a miracle. But I knew that none of them walked in, everyone who came was healed. They just had the gift of miracles, and I've known many men. I can I can get on the phone and go have them. some of them come and visit me. You know, like, it's not that hard. Or I can go have a private meeting with some of those guys who have miracles in their services. That's not amazing. What's amazing is Jesus, when he walked everyone who came to him for a healing, no matter how severe it was, was healed the first time, every time. And so if you let go of that as a standard, that's impossible. If we let go of the impossible... Then we begin to preach a message in the possible. In other words, we can take the worldly wisdom and bring it into the church on how to have a successful family, how to have a successful business, how to serve God and keep your flesh alive at the same time, and uh, have success in this life, have a good life. And, you know, I talked the other day about how with marriage, what happens with a lot of people is I've seen good men and women who are hungry for God. You watch them, they're single, and they're they're serving God, and they're passionate, they're praying, they're seeking God, and then someone comes along and sweeps them off their feet and marries them. And the next thing you know, they're not praying anymore, they're serving the, the other person. The other person has a dream in, in their head about how life should be. I need to have this big of a house or this type of a business, and I need to have this type of a family, and... And so they look at their family as servants to their dream. And that can be either a man or a woman who takes over the life of everyone in them and says, your job is to fulfill my dream. There's some pastors, they take everyone in the church and swallow them up into their vision and their dream. And many believers and many people like that because they think it removes the responsibility of hearing God and following God. But it doesn't. You're still responsible to hear God the moment you're saved. Am I preaching okay? So a lot of my the messages here from the prayer center is not going to hit the world like, a, wow, fantastic message, Gary. Man, that was awesome. Laid my life down. Wonderful. When, when you're talking to the inner man in this path, it's only going to work for those who are willing to meet the all-consuming fire. And that means that As ministers, because we believe in that everyone should be on the path of ministry, that God is leading you the moment you're saved to touch the world. It's in the way he wants, but to touch the world. And I I get it when we, you know, I used to try to figure it out, you know, God, family, work, and, you know, what order is important. And I think what they're saying is your service to God versus your work, and versus your time with family. It's, a, it's kind of a time thing. But really, it should all only be God. God told me, this is what God wants for me, and He tells me how much to serve or not to serve. He's the one who leads my steps. Because in His advice to you for your life, <laughs> it's going to include every, every need you're going to meet. It's going to include every prayer you're going to pray. I complained to one time, I said, God, why do you have me down here in Tennessee at the time I was in Tennessee? I'm 3,000 miles away from my family, you know, and most of them at the time were not born again. And I said, God, why am I here? Why am I not living next door to my family? Because I would harass them until they got saved. They would get saved just to get me off their back. I'd make them go to church. I'd, I'd threaten them with hell. I would, you know, because that's what I did before. That's probably why he had to take me out of the picture, (laughs) causing more trouble than helping. And I said, God, I got nephews now and nieces, and they need Jesus. And the Lord told me, he said, son, every prayer you're going to pray is already answered on the path that I've laid out for you. Think about how creative and amazing God is, that every need you're going to face, every thought of what I need, what God I need you to, he does need our faith. Yes, he needs our authority to work in our lives and in our family's lives. So your faith and your, you allowing God to work through you is very important to touch in the world and your family. But the way it's to be done, we want to leave that up to God. We want to trust God. Because there's other preachers for my nephews and nieces that they'll listen to much more than me. And Well, maybe not. They, like, they all like me. It's my sisters and brothers that need other preachers. <laughs> And God will send them as a response to my faith to follow him. So every prayer you're going to have, every need you're going to face is already answered in the plan that God has laid out before you. And so again, it takes us to this statement by Paul that the grace of God, by the grace of God, this grace does the work. It's the power that God wants to touch the world with. He wants to take that gem that he's working in your life of him, and he wants to remove you from having to get tipped. Do you ever meet a real aggressive tipper? The receiver tipper, where you go to a hotel maybe and they carry your bags, and then when they're done carrying your bags, they hold their hand up. You know, I remember there's one place, Sonic, if you ever eat at Sonic here in Oklahoma, it's a hamburger place where they come and give you the food in your car. And you always give them a little tip. They're used to getting a little extra tip, even though they just handed over the food. But you know, you're kind of obligated if you're decent. You tip them a little bit. And they opened up a drive-through on the Sonic. So now instead of them bringing your car, you drive up to the drive-through, and they force every guy or girl that's delivering the food out to the cars to get in tips. They have to take a turn on drive-through because when you go through the drive-through, no one tips you at a drive-through. I actually had one girl didn't give me my change on purpose because she was mad that no one has given her a tip in drive-thru. And I had to choose, do I chew her out for 20 cents or do I, do I just let her have it, you know? Just go ahead. We'll pretend I gave that to you. I should have given it to you in the first place. And so it's kind of like that. Like Here you are, stuck in drive-thru, following God, and he says, no tips for you. I don't want you to get any glory, any applause And you're looking at all the other people serving God, and they're getting tips, and, hey, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And just just listen to the majority of testimonies that come out of our churches, all churches. Just listen to them, and you'll hear in almost every testimony somebody say, I did this, and God did that. And so that's them asking for a tip. Like, hey, look what I did. Look what I did. That caused God to be able to do this. And they're trying to take, get a little affirmation that I'm valuable. But here Paul is basically saying, I got nothing. You can't look up to me. You can't respect me. For I, Paul, even whatever I had, I already turned it over as dung. I let it go because it's, it's no value in the kingdom of God. And he wasn't a drinker. He wasn't going to the bar on the weekends. He wouldn't smoke. This wasn't a man giving a testimony of, I give up drinking and smoking to give up the world. Now I'm holy and follow God. This is a man saying, I was holy. I was devoted completely to following God. But all that was useless to the kingdom of God. So what he gave up was really his ability to get a tip, to get credit as a person where Paul disappeared. In God. And I'm not saying that you disappear like you're not important. What I'm saying is the walk with the Spirit, if you go down this path for long, you'll start to consume your ability to get that extra approval because God wants all the glory. See, that means that if I want approval, there's only one place to get it that's from Him, not from you, not from my family, my friends, my business. People who listen to me, my approval must come from God. Otherwise, I'm hiding the beautiful gem of him behind my back so that you'll come give me a tip of some type. That means if I want promotion, God, I want to be used more. I want to walk in more of you. I want more of you. Then, you know, there's only one place to go for promotion. That's God. But God, I don't want to go to God, because every time I go, he takes me to a place I don't want to go. He tells me to do stuff I don't want to do. God, I'm ready for a promotion. Oh, good, son, go pray some more. <sighs> Come on, I've been doing that. How long does it take? God, it's taken too long. Maybe you said that. It's taken too long. And right when it starts to be taking too long is when you get all these texts and, and social media blurts. Hey, you should listen to this preacher. You should listen to this preacher. Well, the only preacher God really wants you listening to is Him. What well, good does that make you, Alan, if you keep telling us to listen to Him, not to listen to you? That means that my role diminishes in people's life. My value in people's life diminishes as they find more of God. And that's when you hear Pastor Dave say, I want to eat your dust. That's Him saying, I'm glad you came to me, I love you. Yeah, I am Pastor Dave, the man, but really I want you to go past me and run with God. And let me eat your dust that you run with God. That will make me proud, not keeping you underneath me where you need me all the time. There's some, I always pick on the prophets, the little, what do you call, parking lot prophets, that they feel so... unnecessary, because God won't promote them, that they go and they try to open a door by giving you a word. And really their only motive for many of them is to get you to go, wow, you're anointed. I know I'm anointed, and the church won't recognize me. But thank you for recognizing me. Come back, and I'll sell you some more words later on. I mean, there's people that... There's one guy who made a whole career preaching about, um, what is it called, uh, generational curses, and that his anointing was to speak into the curse of your past and have it dissolved. And he built a whole ministry, large church, TV, international TV, on that belief that you have a generational curse that you need God to deliver you from, and I am the anointed one who has the anointing to deliver you from a generational curse. For an offering of such and such, I will speak to your curse and have it dissolve. No more problems. Then Pastor Dave preached about how, not that there was no generational curses, as much as it was, its power to live in your life was dissolved the moment you were born again, because you're no longer of that family. You're of a new family. That doctrine will dismantle the other guy's whole career. So we have we develop ministries. Do you ever have oh help me Jesus? I had an app I bought one time for ten bucks. It was a calendar app. And I loved it. It was ten bucks or maybe it was free, I can't remember. But it was great. It was exactly laid out the way I like it. Whoever designed it had me in mind. And I used it and used it for like two years and then all of a sudden it stopped. It just like everything disappeared on my app. And I, what what and I miss all the notices where it said we are now moving to a, a monthly subscription, and so if you want to keep this beautiful app, I need you to give me. And it was like ten bucks a month, and I thought I don't ten bucks a month. I don't need a calendar that much. I'll go back to the old one that you know comes free with Apple. You know I'll use that one, but it bothered me like man I've invested into this thing, but that's like a lot of people. They they get something of God. And they get you excited, then they turn around and say, all right, if you want to stick with me, I need so much a month. I need you to reward me for leading you. And they try to uh, make a business out of And this is a pattern in the world now with social media, is to try to get people on monthly payments rather than a one-time buy. That's kind of the way the world works. The wisdom of the world will not work in your walking with God. He wants to consume everything about you. Oh, let's go to James chapter 4. We'll start in verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask, you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. See, when someone is looking for something in their life, an answer prayer, an honest answer prayer, God, I need a new car, I need a new job, I need a new spouse. Um, <laughs> when they have an actual prayer, and they're believing for something, if they ask amiss, Sometimes it's not just for, God, I want the million-dollar house on the hill so everyone can see me. Sometimes it's a miss to his will, that his will isn't for you to go live on an island for retirement. No matter how much you justify, God, everyone retires. And God says, yeah, but you're with me, buddy. There's no retirement. The only retirement you're going to get is when you die. I can see why some of the apostles were asking for martyrdom. (laughs) It's like... Okay, if this is the way it's gonna be, I gotta die every day, let's just get it over with and then I can live free in heaven, you know. <laughs> so he's the man living with him is demanding. It's so demanding that you have to get used to not winning over his opinion and feel safe, I can say it this way, safe when it doesn't look safe on the outside, feel valuable when you have no value from the world when the world looks at you and says why would i follow you listen to me much of the preaching today is for people who've given up on believing for the impossible and we don't belittle that that that's the message they're preaching to help the world the things they're doing to help the world find god god is pleased and working with them but i'm not speaking to them today i'm speaking to you And what I don't want is for you to be discouraged because we look over at another group and say, well, look what they're accomplishing, and they're accomplishing great things. But I can take all the churches in Tulsa and all our mega churches in Mecca, Oklahoma, as they call it, and fill them up on Sunday. And do you know that even with them full, that's, I think, less than 10% of the population is attending church. That's not revival. That's not what we're after. We're after earth-shaking, city-shaking, country-shaking, life-shaking power of God. God, If God stepped into the room today, all of us would be on our knees. We'd be in total embarrassment for all the little errors that we've submitted to Him, all the little sins we've kept from Him. We'd be total, total in awe of His glory and His power. And this is what the world needs a touch of. Of him, and I heard you know one guy preach one time, "You need to believe God for more money and I, and I agree, <laughs> you know, yes, we do, you know, but the pathway to walk in provision on this path God as an all consuming fire is different than one that takes wisdom from the world and applies it to your life because you have one problem: you have God in your life where the world does not, so that means you instantly have an enemy that will stamp out every little plan you try to make so what works for you you can have a car lot and then call it god's car lot and believe and have it in there and then across the street is joe's car lot and joe he doesn't serve god at all and his car lot will flourish well you're wondering why am i struggling i had many men one guy was a, a car lot owner he's like god told me to support you every month and I got excited because he was a wealthy car lot owner. He owned uh, uh, Corvette dealerships. And, uh, and he really wanted to bless us. And we were excited about that. Like, hallelujah. You know, the possibilities. You know, maybe we'll have an old Corvette sitting around that he wants to donate. You know. God, it would be good if me to have a Corvette. It would really send a signal to my neighbors how good you are. Well, because that's much of the preaching, eh? If you want to believe, you've got to believe God for finances so you can have the best house. God's got rich people who wants to go to heaven too. So he needs a rich person to go show the rich people how to succeed, that God will bless them more than the world will. Well, praise God, that works. Except when uh, Michael Muccio drove up to Gary's business to sell him on being a motivational speaker, he looked out and saw his beat-up old car. It's like, here's a guy talking about prosperity. He ain't walking in it. But that's not what impressed Gary. What impressed Gary was his heart. He saw God in him, and that's what drew him to God. So you want to win the world? It's not going to be by being better at the world than they are. It's going to be by them experiencing even a little glimpse of God through you. If they just see a little glimpse of God, that's what they need. in so much of Christianity today is removing that part of the walk to where you be a good person, you serve God, and and let's win the world. It has less than 10% of Tulsa going to church today. But there is something where if you die enough and let, let God work through you enough, eventually they will fall in love with a little glimpse of God. And it doesn't matter if you're a billionaire, That's something they've been striving for and longing for. That's why they're billionaires, some of them, because they're trying to fill a hole that only God could fill. And a lot of them will throw away all their money just to have a taste of God. And that's what he's after in us. More than the miracles. The miracles is part of it. That's a a result of it. But more than the miracles is God's presence with you not in the picture. The problem is he can't just do that without you. He's limited by the authority on this earth. He has to work through us. And so who can become sanctified enough that they're no longer important in their own eyes? You know how many people live their whole life pleasing their outward man, pleasing their flesh to the strongholds and the brokenness of their flesh? They live their whole life doing that. They make their decisions out of their flesh. And here you're on a path... Because you, you were introduced to another leader other than your flesh and your desires. And that was the Holy Ghost. And as you prayed out the will of God, your inner man made agreements that your outer man did not. And it put you into fights that your outer man was like, what is going on here? Verse 3, chapter 4, James. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is empty with God? Now, he's not, this is not a, a marriage that he's calling you people who commit adultery and adulteresses. He's calling them adulteresses and adulterers who've taken the world into the relationship with God. And that's what makes them be an adulterer to their relationship with God, who as a form of marriage, in a sense, owns all that you have. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in you yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So if you want to have more grace, you got to humble yourself. That means that there's less of you and more of him. I asked him one time, I was talking about Pastor Dave, you know, when I travel with him, everyone loves Pastor Dave. When we travel to Brazil and different places, he can be, you know, I got used to some of his jokes and some of his corniness. And so he'd start telling a joke, and I'm like, ah. Oh. But everyone else laughing and smiling and cheering. I'm like That's the worst joke. Why are you laughing at that? That's stupid. And if I tried to make fun of Pastor Dave, no matter where it was, the crowd would turn on me. Even just a little little jab. Because he'll jab you. From, you'll be preaching. He'll jab you from without anyone knowing. He'll be, he'll pick on you. He, he likes that. One time I was getting ready to preach. and I think he did it through Gary. Is he'd come and I was trying to find some form of where I was going to go. And I was desperately looking through the Bible. Getting ready to preach in five minutes. God, I have to have something. And then Pastor David walked up behind me. So, how's it going, Alan? How's the kids? How's the dog? I'm like, shh don't no, no, how's it going? Like, tell me. He's, he's getting me to not, he wasn't, wouldn't allow me to be that kind of preacher. I say, if you're going to preach, you better learn to hear God. <laughs> and so I was telling, telling like everyone loves Pastor Dave. And I see so many wannabe preachers. If I say that, I'm trying to be not too disrespectful with a little shot in there. Uh, wannabe preachers who look at the way people respond to Pastor Dave. And they try to take his place. Well, if he can do that, I can do that. And they try to step in, and they try to get people to follow them. And I've seen them try over the years in different countries the same thing over and over. People are people. That's what you learn. And they try to jump and say, I'll be Pastor Dave to you. Give me that love that you give to Pastor Dave. And I watched them all fail miserably. And I was asking Tim, and Tim said the same thing to me years ago. I said, well... They're really not falling in love with Dave. It's God that they're experiencing through Pastor Dave. That's what they're falling in love with. So I can imitate Pastor Dave and be like Pastor Dave and preach Pastor Dave's message. And people still won't, because if it's God's not working through me, they won't experience the same touch that they receive from maybe a Pastor Dave preaching. So then my next question was, God, how do I get some of that? How do I get more of that? I tried for years when uh, they told me to go pray for people. I tried everything to try to see miracles happen. It's maybe one of the reasons I'm very cautious with telling people to just go out and pray for people. Because everyone will hit a dead end at one point. Something where they run into somebody that has a condition that they can't see healed. And then they're going to come to the same conclusion. Well, how do I get that? And either they will, you know, if they came to me, well, let me introduce you. You know, someone says, well, you guys are praying too much. You're fasting too much. You're worshiping too much. We need to go do. Go and do. So they go and do, and they come to a dead end. And then they come back and say, hey, how do I get past this dead end? Well, let me tell you why I've been praying and fasting and worshiping. Because I hit a dead end years ago and decided it wasn't good enough. God's promises are more true than dead ends. And so... That was my question. How do I get more of God? You know, and I would, I tried. uh, One guy said, uh, I think it was Benny Hinn one time said, you know, God works in silence. And so you need to be in your. He had a service where he was quiet for, he testified. I I kept everyone just quiet in God's presence for an hour. And then God's glory fell and miracles happened. So the next service, I took this poor church. They're in the service, and I said, "God works in silence," and I had them sit quietly for an hour. Just shh. Sh- sh- God works in silence. We're believing for His glory to fall. How many would like to see His glory? Quietly lift your hand up and slip it down. Glory to God. So let's just stay in His presence. After an hour, and people started to get up and leave, and I gave up. I had one guy had no leg. He lost it somewhere. I don't know if it was at war or whatever. He had no, only one leg. came up for prayer. I, wanna, I want a new leg. Well, brother, if that's what you want. And I had that. I took his crutch, threw it away. Let's believe. Because obviously we need to step in faith. You know. Since he had only one foot, it was hard for him to step. So we're going to need to take a step of faith. So let's stand. I had him hop in one foot for like 30 minutes until he almost passed out. Believing in the moment for a miracle. And see, I was trying to include myself in the miracle. I would take people you know on the street, in the malls, attack them. Usually it was something in a wheelchair. You, know, you ever hear someone say, Well, I don't know if I should pray for that person in the wheelchair or not. You know, maybe God'll heal them if I pray for them. And see, they're looking at themselves, they're not looking at the person in the wheelchair. You know, it's not about you. It's about the person in the wheelchair. And so it's better if you question that, that you don't. Don't experiment on people. See, I'm getting off topic again. Verse 6, chapter 4. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy into gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of God, and he will lift you up. See, if you want promotion in his kingdom, it's got to be from him. Otherwise... You're going to go to the worldly system to find out how to get people to promote you. Let me say that again, just in case you missed it. There was one preacher who went from a church of 50 to a church of 20,000, world-renowned. I remember telling Pastor Dave, you know, because God's used Pastor Dave to nudge me along the way to, like, yeah, that's okay, son, but come on. <laughs> you know, one time he was at a conference. My job was to manage the conference. So I just came out of a meeting with a manager and we were working negotiating the contract. And I remember I took the contract he gave me, because he gave me a contract and he had it wasn't signed, but he was trying to use it to muscle me into giving him more money. And I crumpled up the contract and threw it at him. And we got into such a fight. I won, I ended up winning and and saving us money. And I remember coming out of there my chest's extra big and like, like a peacock. Like, yeah, I beat down the competition. And I remember Pastor Dave was just walking by out of a service under the anointing, most likely. And I said, Pastor Dave. And all the men were there, so I was barking. Like, yeah, I went down there and I told them what's what. And I, I did this and did that and he did this. And, and at the end of the story, I saved us money. I, ripped, I threw, crumpled and threw it at him. I actually threw it at him. Can you believe that? Yeah. And Pastor Dave, all the men were like, oh, are you the man? And Pastor Dave said, well, Alan, can you tell him about Jesus afterwards? Totally destroyed my ability to, to ever negotiate a contract again. <laughs> Let's go back to James 4. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. If you want promotion, you want to be lifted up, you want God to promote you in your calling, there's only one place to go, into him. And this is a message that we have to preach here to the people who are walking with us and believing for the impossible. That we can't let go of the impossible. We have to hold on to the impossible. That everyone who comes 100% receive a miracle. Well, where do we go to follow someone to teach us? Well, if we go back a 1,000 years, we can't find anyone. We have to go back 2,000 years and see the fight that God willingly put the church into and how few people have gone far enough into God to see him show up in that manner. That's what we're after. But that takes a place of humility. And so we can't take what you can do in the flesh and bring it into the church. We can't take worldly wisdom And apply it to how to build a church. Not under God's direction. God is an all-consuming fire. He wants to take your life and to tell you what to do. And lead you. And sometimes it's like you have to make a choice. God, if I take this job, I can have this much money. Oh, praise God. I'll answer all my needs. He'll fix my problems. And, And hallelujah, I'll give extra to the kingdom. And it seems to bring an answer to your situation. And the devil loves to do that. Get you to where it seems tough and then open the door. Ding! Oh, that must be God. Well, we don't make decisions out of opportunity, out of frustration. But see, God does have an answer for your finances. He has an answer for everything you need. An answer for your calling, an answer for your family. All those things. But it's in his will. It's not in... You fixing it. And this is a place that I feel many people stop. They stop. They, they say, oh, they give up. It's too hard. They think it's too hard. They give up. And God's still pleased with them that they're saved and they're telling people, Jesus, he's pleased with everyone who serves him. Let's be clear. But he's looking for someone who will lay their life down and go to the place where he can shine through them and they become so humble that, that even as Paul said, I want to just read that again as we close in 1 Corinthians. By the grace of God, verse 10, chapter 15. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Everything that I am is His grace. That's what you see. That's what you're, if you're impressed with anything, it's Him. It's not me. Let me get out of the way. This is what God desires for us. This is a path If you go under the path of, if I remove the cross, my personal cross of mortification, there is a path to the power called the gifts. So I can pursue the gifts of God, the anointing of God. Think about this, how many people pursue the anointing, the gifts, uh, all those things. They run to different places that have sensational miracles. They run after it, trying to find God through that. But here he says that uh, it's his grace. That's what we need to be after. Not after his anointing, not after uh, a word, not after his presence, after him. It's his grace that Paul is saying. I am what I am because of his grace. His grace has formed me and shaped me into the man of God that I am. And that's the heart. That's what you won't get away from. If you stay praying in the Holy Ghost, it's going to cost you everything. Even your ability to find worth from this world. It's not, a, it's not a hard thing once you get there, as if I'm there, right? But it's not a hard thing because it's a beautiful thing. When you find out, I'm here to serve you because I want you to fall in love with God. And I don't want anything from you. Even if you don't remember my name, that's okay. Because it's by His grace anyway. Think about how our testimonies would change. I'm trying to close here. Instead of us saying, I gave and God blessed me. Then it comes down to, God gave me. He told me to give. And God, he did it all the work. He blessed me. God did everything. I'm just here along for the ride. How can we remove ourselves more from the picture so we aren't asking for a tip? We can just say, here you go. Let me serve you, God, on a platter. I won't tell you how much it cost me for this to happen. I won't testify how, testify how much fasting I've done, how much prayer I've done, how much worship I've done, how much it cost me in my life to get here to where you can just see a little glimpse. There you go. Take it. Let me tell you now after you take it what it cost me. See, we, we just need to say, Here's God. I'm so pleased that you get to meet the real father. What a miracle to be able to introduce the real father to the world. doesn't matter if they have a million dollars. They'll give it all up just to have a taste of the peace that you have right now inside of you. That's how powerful he is. That's how important it is that we continue to lay our life down and follow God into the all-consuming fire and let him consume all of us. Amen. I want to stop there. We'll see you in 30 minutes.